is John chapter 19. I feel like the preaching on Calvary, I always preach on the cross, of course, is a subject we'll never get away from, but I do feel like that I'll preach this message tonight. I have a message I wanted to, uh, to preach uh, to end uh, these messages on Calvary. I feel like it is soon coming to a close, this maybe next Sunday, and, uh, but I, the cross is a message that we'll always preach, isn't that right? And uh, just because I may not preach uh, this thought line, uh, we'll always preach Calvary to sinners, but I feel like the Lord may be leading that direction. But I want to preach tonight uh, from John chapter 19 and verse number 25. I want to pick up where uh, we left this morning at verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said, saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Heavenly Father, I ask you now to bless the reading of thy word. Speak to our hearts these next few moments, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I preach from this passage many times, and of course you've heard other preachers preach from this passage before. And I went home this afternoon, and just as I was reading, this uh, thought just came back to me, the passage that uh, we read this morning earlier. Uh, we talked a little bit about this verse tonight, but the Lord just began to work in my heart uh, concerning these verses that we've read here. And I want you to notice the person in verse number 25. The Bible said, now they stood by the cross of Jesus. Amen? And I think there's something to be said about standing by the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, there was a lot, those three crosses that day on that hillside, and there was a lot of crosses that had been uh, at Calvary, but no cross like the cross of our Savior, amen? Uh, no cross bore any more reproach, uh, and no cross uh, uh, bore any more shame than what the cross of our Savior. But there's something to be said about the person of this cross. Uh, what makes this cross so special is the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. I mean, when you think about uh, the cross tonight, the cross within itself does not mean anything. Without Jesus, the cross uh, is not just another way of execution, but because of the Christ of the cross. Uh, uh, listen, a cross in your pocket or a cross uh, uh, in your ear, if you're a girl that's pierced, uh, does not mean anything. Uh, uh, but the Christ of that cross uh, is what is the message of the story. And so we see the person. It's all about Jesus in this passage. Uh, it always has been about Jesus and it should always uh, be about Jesus and so uh, there's the person in this text and then there is the people notice the Bible said that there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene and it's important to note uh, the faithfulness of these women as they stood by the cross uh, of Jesus Christ uh, I want to say thank God for preachers and thank God for men and we need men in the the church, but thank God for women who have been faithful to their husband, been faithful to their home, and have been faithful to the house of God. Amen. And so we see the people in this text. And then there's the proclamation in verse number 26. The Bible said, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Jesus makes a proclamation to Mary concerning John. 
And then in the next verse, he makes a proclamation to John concerning Mary here. And so Jesus is making this proclamation. And with this proclamation, there comes the position. Notice what the Bible said in verse number 27. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on Calvary, the place of position. Calvary, the place of position. Do you realize that John went to Calvary that day and he went there because of the Savior, amen? He did not go to get a position. He did not go to, listen, what took place in this passage was as much a surprise to John as it was to anyone else, amen? John did not know what Jesus would do that day. He just went there to be at the cross. But Jesus gave him in this text because of his faithfulness. Notice here that the Lord allowed John to receive a special recognition as he said in verse 26, woman, behold thy son. Amen. I mean, listen, he gave John a special recognition just for being at Calvary that day. And then he gave him a special relationship as he called him the son of Mary. I mean, listen, Jesus brought John into a deeper relationship with his own mother because of his faithfulness to the cross. Amen. What I'm saying to you tonight is this, is because John was at the right place, because John was at the cross, Jesus gave him a position that he did not see, that he did not know, and that he did not look for. I want to tell you tonight, Calvary is the place of position. If you want God to use your life, if you want God to do something with your life, then you need to be close to the cross. Amen. You say, but Brother Gravely, it in the cross just for uh, sinners. John is as saved as anybody in this text. And because he was at Calvary, Jesus elevated him. I see that he gave him a special recognition, a special relationship, but he gave him a special responsibility because from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. You know, with a position comes responsibility. I think there are some people in life, they, they want position because all they want is recognition. You can tell that because uh, when they do their when they get that position, they, they gloat in that position. That's not just in church. You know it's on the job. Some people don't know how to handle authority. They don't know how to be in charge. Uh, uh, listen, you could put them in charge of the janitorial room uh, and they'll drive everybody nuts, amen? I mean, because uh, uh, they wear it as a badge. Uh, I mean, it's all about them. It's not about cleaning whatever or being over whatever. It's all about shining, amen? Uh, and the Lord doesn't use people uh, that wants to shine. Can I get a witness right there? <clears throat> he doesn't use people that is self-centered and all about themselves. Uh, and it's easy to see that. I think that's one of the problems uh, in our churches today amongst singers and amongst preachers. Can I get a witness? I mean, listen, if we're not careful, we'll turn the platform into a stage in a hurry, amen? And the way that you do that is when you start making it about self, amen? Uh, listen, uh, if you sing, uh, uh, you sing for the Lord, isn't that right? Uh, uh, people don't need to see the singer, uh, they need to see the Savior, amen? Uh, when you get up and sing, I, I, get, I mean, maybe I'm stepping on something I shouldn't be here, Brother Laddie. But I, I get tickled at some of these singers when they sing, uh, they make all these funny faces, have y'all know what I'm talking about? Like they're in pain, you know. 
in agony. I mean, they just, they just squint their eyes and, and curl up their face. And I, I can't sing, so uh, Brother David, uh, maybe it's necessary, but I see other people sing, and, and I just wonder, Brother Danny, why are they not making all them faces, you know, like they're in an agony. I don't know if they want us to think uh, it hurts to sing that song, uh, but I look at some of their faces sometimes and I think, man, if it hurts that bad to sing that song, quit singing it, amen? Because you're killing me with it. I'm just telling you some people, I think it's just performance is what I think. If you want to know my opinion, I mean, I, and then they want to pump the mic, you know? Listen, they just all that mess, all that performance. Listen, if you want to pay 15 or whatever dollars and go downtown and waste your Saturday evening, I mean, enjoy your Saturday evening, have some gospel concert, I say help yourself. It's good, clean entertainment. I'm not preaching that that's wrong, but I don't want that mess in church. Can I get a witness on that? I'm telling you, when we get up to sing, we're not performers. When we get up to preach, we're not performers, amen? Listen, no preacher ought to get up and spend 20, Mary ought not spend two minutes bragging on himself and bragging about his accomplishments and bragging about, listen, we ain't done nothing tonight, amen? And anything good in us, it's God that does it anyhow, amen? And God ought to get all the glory, the praise, and the honor, hallelujah. I know as preachers we use illustrations in our life and, and there's nothing wrong with that if it's in its rightful place. Uh, but we ought to be careful talking about ourselves. Is that right? It's okay for an illustration sometimes, uh, but not all the time. Uh, but I'm telling you, when you use an illustration, it ought to be to the point, it ought to be to the sh- uh, short and to the point. Uh, uh, but I tell you, I've been a few places where uh, men get up uh, and spend 30, I think they just want to hear themselves talk, you know, and they'll spend 35, 45 minutes and say nothing about the Bible, and they talk all about themselves. Now, I don't know, y'all pray for me, but I just want to get up and go home. Are y'all like that? You know, church is a good thing when God's in it and when it's all about God. And I'm telling you, when it becomes about us, give me a five-gallon bucket because I feel like puking, amen? Uh, regurgitating, whichever word, or vomit, whichever word uh, fits your status in society. But I'm telling you, listen, nothing is more sickening to God uh, uh, than whenever we uh, take the throne ourselves uh, and make it about ourselves. Uh, and I'm telling you, a position, a title, it just re- uh, reveals to us that we have a responsibility and we ought to give our best to that position that God puts us in uh, and the way you give your best uh, is hide yourself uh, and make much about the Lord and do your best for the honor and the glory of God. Amen. I mean, sometimes people will get sideways in a church because they do something and they feel unappreciated. <laughs> Y'all don't die on me now. And they'll get the, they'll get the, the they'll start pouting or they'll get the, they'll start belly aching. Well, you know, I, I taught that Sunday school lesson and nobody told me I did a good job. Now, y'all wouldn't ever say that, but they'll do it in all them other churches. Or they'll say, you know, I, I'll tell you, I, you know, I, I went down there and I, I vacuumed the floors and, and would you believe people had the audacity to, uh, to, to just throw their papers down in the floor. After all the hours I put on that, you know, you gotta, we have to remind ourselves. We do what we do for the glory of God. I'll tell you, this church, I told somebody one time, they preached here and they told me after they said, you hear about the service? I wasn't in town. They said, you hear about the service? And I said, no, I hadn't. They said, well, they said it was real good. I said, well, man, that's a blessing. And they said, uh, they said yeah, a lot of people said I did a good job. 
I said, well, I said, don't believe it. I did. I said, don't believe that. They said, what do you mean? I said, they tell me that three times a week. And y'all do, and I appreciate it. And they said, well, I said, they tell me that three times a week. I said, they're Christians. They're kind. I said, now you know and I know I don't do good three times a week, amen, every single week, uh, all these years. Uh, I said, but I'll tell you what I have done. I said, what I I said, I fell flat on my face preaching before and I knew it and they knew it. I'd go to the back door and 15 people come by and say, preacher, you preached a good message. Uh, Thank you for the sermon. Uh, I said, you know what they're doing to us? Uh, They're just encouraging us. Uh, I said, but you better let them compliments uh, go in one ear and out the other ear uh, and just give God all the glory, amen. Uh, I'm telling you, and your friend, that's the way it ought to be, a position. I'm glad God lets us be a part. I'm glad God puts us here, but you don't have to have a big title. Hey, this was not a big title. In fact, this was just one person, and it wasn't between nobody and the Lord. And when God gives you something to do, it don't have to be a fancy title. It don't have to have a lot of recognition. But my friend, with position comes responsibility, and you ought to be willing to fulfill your responsibility. Amen. Hey, man, I tell you, don't be a squatter in the church house. That's somebody that's got a job and they won't do it or they halfway do it and they won't give it up, amen? I'm telling you, if you won't give your best to do it, uh, you need to get right first of all. But if you won't get right with God, you ought to have enough character to give it up, amen? And now listen, that, now Brother Black, you're not giving up your job and Brother David, you're not. They've been trying to give up the, their jobs forever. Y'all just have to get right, but you're not gonna give it up, amen? I told Brother David, I said, as long as you can suck water through a straw and hear thunder clasp, I want you to do the church book. Amen. I mean, even if he's in the nursing home and has to do this, uh, just keep on working on that church bulletin until you die. I'm just simply saying, be faithful. But don't, listen, don't sit down on something and not give your best and hinder uh, the work of God. Isn't that right? I'm telling you all to give your best to everything and whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse number nine. Do it with all thy might. Amen. Uh, And whatsoever you do. uh, Colossians 3 and verse 23 and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of your inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ amen, give your best give your best and it doesn't matter the position if God has given you that position, give your best the responsibility, I want to give you a few things right here and be done very quickly Uh, my friend is at the cross Why did Jesus give this responsibility to John? I want to say, first of all, because of the consistency. The Bible said they're stood by the cross of Jesus. These women are here, and the Bible also says, and the disciples standing by. Do you know why Jesus gave this responsibility to John? Because of the consistency. John went all the way to Calvary. John never quit. John never turned back. John was faithful. Hey, listen, that's who he gives positions to in a church. It's not people that are talented. It's not people that are popular. It's not people, let's just be honest tonight, none of us uh, can fulfill the responsibilities that God has laid upon our shoulders to do within ourselves. But you know why God gives you a position in a church uh, or a position anywhere? It's because of consistency, amen? I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if somebody can sing like a mockingbird 
or if they can preach an outline as smooth as silk, if they won't be consistent, then you and I have no confidence in that. And it, listen, it taints what they're trying to do. Amen? A character matters. Consistency matters. We may not be much, but by God's grace, we can be faithful. Amen? And we need some faithful people in these last days tonight. Consistency. Be faithful. Be consistent. I thank God for the consistency in this church. It's not 100%, and it never is in any church. But it's a whole lot better than it is a lot of places. You know, there are churches tonight that swell. They've not grown, they've swollen. What I mean by that, they have large numbers on Sunday morning. And then on Sunday night, hardly many come back. Wednesday night, even fewer on Wednesday night. I thank God that, and I understand sometimes people have to work. I'm not beating up on somebody for that and things will happen. I understand situations like that. But I'll tell you, I appreciate the consistency. Hey, there's a good crowd here tonight, amen. And I know the morning glories didn't come back, but I'm glad you're here, amen. You came back tonight and you'll be back on Wednesday night. I know some's gotta go to music camp and others are, and there's other events going on this month, but week in and week out, you're here. And the youth choir, when it cranks back up here in a couple of weeks uh, the young people are there and I appreciate your faithfulness I appreciate you being there I'll tell you God doesn't use people that are inconsistent you've got to stay with it amen and let me, while I'm on the subject let me say this uh, when it gets hard uh, you can't quit amen whenever things get rough uh, you can't throw in the towel you can't be inconsistent just because you hit a hard spot amen you know some people as long as they're seeing results they're okay with it. As long as, as things are happening. But I'll tell you, God wants us to be faithful even when there's no results. Amen. I wish every time you went to church and preached, we hung from the chandeliers, but it don't happen that way. I don't know why it don't, but I wish it could, couldn't it? But sometimes you preach and, and I don't know what happens. You'll preach and I mean, listen, there's all kinds of liberty and, and people are shouting and, and then sometimes you preach and people just sit there and look at you like you're growing a, another head out the side of your head or something. I don't know why that is. But you gotta preach anyway. You gotta preach when there's a house full and you gotta preach when there's a handful. You gotta preach when they're happy and when they're sad and you gotta preach when they're mad, amen? I preached to some people, I knew they was mad but I had to preach anyway and there's no joy in that. I'm just simply saying you gotta be consistent, amen? You've got to be, you got to listen, when rough waters come in your life, you just gotta keep on keeping on. You gotta press on, you gotta push through. You can't be somebody that resigns every Monday or quits every Sunday or listen, you're up and down, in and out like a yo-yo. You've got to be consistent, amen. You gotta be committed. They were committed to the Savior. What drew them to the cross was Jesus. There's no doubt there was fear, but they could not stay away. The mob did not run them off. The soldiers didn't run them off. The agony, the blood, the pain, all that they saw happen, they could not leave Jesus. They were loyal to him to the very end. And that's what Christianity's about. It's not about being faithful to your local church. And thank God for being faithful to your local church. But if all you have in your life is your church, what are you gonna do if the church dies? What are you gonna do if the church sees hard times and people leave? Are you just gonna quit? I've been amazed. There's some people, they'd be in the same church 30 years and some tragedy happened and the church split and people leave 
And you know what they'll do? They'll just stay at the house. I've been amazed at the people. I'm not talking about people that's sick, but there's some people during the 2020 and the pandemic, guess what? After being in church for decades, they just decided they're never going back to church again. I don't understand that, Brother Laddie. It's not about the local church. It's not about the preacher. Somebody say amen. It's not about Brother Grafley. It wasn't about Brother Cape. It's about being faithful to our Savior and being committed to our Lord. Hallelujah. I think any pastor worth his salt, if he truly loves the Lord and loves the congregation, he wants the church to do better when he's gone than it did when he was there. Amen. And I want to tell you, tonight your mom and dad may be in this church, and that's wonderful. But don't be one of those members tonight that you're committed because of your parents. And I'm not just talking to young people. I'm telling you, thank God for parents, but I, I, I'm telling you, well, listen, when your parents are gone, you ought to be everything then that you are right now. Amen. You ought to not change what you are and how you believe and where you stand. None of that ought to change uh, uh, when they're gone, amen. You ought to be, listen, because uh, thank God for godly parents. Thank God for a good heritage. Uh, I'm telling you, your commitment ought to go beyond your pastor. It ought to go beyond your parents. Uh, it ought to go to your Savior, amen. Uh, that way when they're not around, uh, you're still doing what's right uh, because it goes deeper. Your loyalty is to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was given this position because of his commitment, because of his courage. I remind us tonight that they were putting their lives on the line to be identified with Jesus at the cross. There was nothing stopping a Roman soldier or an angry mob from taking any of their life just for being there. They weren't standing afar off, but the Bible says clearly in this text that they were standing by the cross of Jesus. That means that on that hillside there were three crosses that day and if you were standing there and you saw that little crowd on that hillside amongst those three crosses, there was no doubt in your mind that whose cross they were standing at. They weren't standing afar off and looking at the three, uh, so kind of blending their identity and just kind of backing up a little bit. They weren't timid about who they were and why they were there and who they were being identified with, but they were standing close enough to that cross uh, that anybody else standing there said, you know what? They're standing by the cross of Jesus, amen? They're not standing by them other two, but they're standing by his cross. Hey, it takes courage to do that. And do you know if you're gonna live for God in this hour and if you're gonna do what's right and take a stand for Jesus in this hour, you've got to have some courage, amen. What they want us to do in America tonight is not quit having church. They just want us to quit talking about the things we've always talked about. I don't care how many rainbow flags they fly. I don't care what they what they, what, how, well, how much they legalize same-sex marriage. I plan on preaching against it till my last breath. Amen. The next, this generation coming up deserves the right to hear that that's wickedness and sin every bit as much as our generation heard. They can pass all the laws they want to. They can talk about equality all they want to. God made every man and every woman equal, amen, in his own eyes. And the ground is level at the foot of the cross. But God made one man, one woman for one lifetime. And God did not intend for them unnatural affections to take hold. And that's the sign of a nation that's going to hell and going down the slippery slope of sin 
God. And the only thing standing between America and hell tonight is some God-called preachers and some salty saints that'll stand in the way and stand in the gap and make up the hedge and say, we're not afraid of Washington. We're not afraid of any mandates, but we're gonna stand where we've always stood when we first started standing, hallelujah. Can't be silent about that. We still gotta preach against it. We still gotta take the stand. And in this hour that we're living in, I was, when we was on the summer trip, uh, I was, uh, we went, we took some of the grandkids over to the kitty section, and we were standing over there. I didn't care nothing about getting on a roller coaster anymore. Amen. The last one I got off of, I didn't know if my elbow was hurting or my leg. And I said, I'm, I've retired from, uh, from, uh, from riding roller coasters. So we're standing over there and we're letting Ashton and, and uh, letting some of the great kids, you know, ride some of those rides. And Brother Lady, I'm gonna be honest with you, I got mad standing there because I heard a song, a little kitty song coming over. And here's what the kitty song said. It said, everyone is different, but it's okay to be different. It's okay to be what you want to be and who what you and do what you want to do. And I thought, they're brainwashing. We walked through there and some lady come out on some little platform and there was some kids gathered around and she was, I don't know, she had she was dressed like a fairy or something and she was standing there. Thank God it was a woman, amen. <laughs> At least she looked like one, I don't know. But she's standing there. You know what she was telling those kids? She was talking about how different she was. Her wings. She was talking about her colors, how different they were. And I got to notice them rainbow colors. You know, the rainbow is the promise of God. They have perverted the promise of God. They are, that is the sign of a reprobate. When you take the truth of God and you turn it into a lie. The rainbow is the truth of God's promise that he'll never judge this world again with a flood, but he is gonna judge this world with a fire, amen? And America is bringing the fiery judgment of God upon her tonight uh, more now than she ever has uh, uh, through legalizing abortion and murder and legalizing homosexuality and sodomy. Uh, it's nothing more than sin. Uh, and this generation, they, and she was talking about that. I tell you, I walked off. Uh, I thought by the grace of God, uh, if they're gonna push their propaganda, I'm sure as well going to stand in a pulpit and preach against it to my dying hour by the grace of God. Hey friend, it's sin and it's always been sin and it's a sick sin tonight. I'm telling you, you go, you go through an airport and they got, you saw them, they got posters of men hugged up together. It's how sick this nation is tonight. It's so perverted. I think Brother Danny was teaching a few a couple of weeks ago and was talking about them wanting to uh, wanting to pass a bill where they can teach child uh, teach pornography in kindergarten. How wicked is this nation? How ungodly is it today? And while we have church, they don't mind us having church, but they want to use fear-mongering and they want, to, they want to use the law and the lawlessness of this land uh, to try to shut us up. Uh, you say, preacher, how'd you get that out of this? I'll tell you how. If we're going to stand for God in these days, uh, it's going to take courage, friend, uh, because they hate this Bible-thumping crowd. Uh, they hate that crowd that uh, sees everything black and white. Uh, they hate that crowd that wants to raise godly families and godly homes uh, with godly principles. Uh, I 
want to tell you, mom and dad, uh, uh, listen, you need to keep that trash out of your home. Uh, you need to keep it out of your hearts uh, and you need to stand for what's right. While I'm on the subject, television has become so wicked in this hour. It's always been wicked. But I want to tell you, if you set your child in front of a television and you let them watch hours of sitcoms and hours of, I don't know what, I'm telling you the day we're living in, I don't care, and I'm not against some, I'm not against Andy Griffith, not 100%. He was a Democrat that smoked that didn't believe in guns, but that's a whole other issue. I lost half of y'all when I said that. You can preach on a lot of things, but don't hit, the, don't hit Andy, amen? That's a whole other thing. I'm not preaching against you watching that. I will tell you, the only person that was ever, ha- the only person that was ever married on the whole show was Otis, and he stayed drunk all the time and in jail. It's the truth. But you know, when you, it doesn't matter if you're watching that. They've done figured this thing out. You can watch black and white. You can watch old westerns. My daddy's always watched old westerns. And you can watch all those, those shows. But I'll tell you what they do now. Now they put it in the, they put it in the commercials. Because they know if you've got any character at all, you're not going to watch that mess. So it's their way of reaching. So they put, and what, here you say, well, preacher, I wouldn't go along with that. And I know you wouldn't. But here's what the world wants tonight. They just want to desensitize us. They want to put something in our face so much that we no longer blush, we no longer shudder, we no longer get nauseated at seeing that. They're not really worried about my generation and the one before me. They're willing tonight in America to outlive that generation. They want that generation tonight. And I'm going to tell you, young people, if you're going to have convictions and you're going to have standards and you're going to serve God and you're going to, have a, you're going to marry a godly woman or a godly young man and you're going to raise godly children, I want you to know something tonight. You better get something deep down in your soul. You better be committed to that cross. And you better say to yourself, by the grace of God, I am going to take courage and I am not going that way. I'm telling you, if, you'll, you'll get, if you had, and I'm sure many of you have, but if you had, if you'll get on an altar and say, God, give me the courage of Daniel. Give me the courage of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Give me the courage of those young men that said, I'm going to live in Babylon like I lived for God when I was in Jerusalem. God, give me that courage. I'll tell you, God will do something in your soul on an altar in your teenage years. Uh, it'll never get away from you, amen. It, you say, how do you know that? Because I know that tonight to be true in my life. Uh, and she knows that to be true in her life tonight. I'm telling you, there's something about getting on an altar as a young person and saying, Lord, I don't care if everybody in youth group goes that way. I don't care if my best friends turn that way. I don't care if everybody in the world sells out. I don't care if my parents lose their mind by the grace of God. I'm staying with the old time religion. I'm staying with God. I'm staying with that old time way. I'm walking in the right path. I'm walking in the good way. I'm telling you, if you get it down in your soul, there ain't a thousand demons in hell that can take that courage out. I believe as much tonight. What I believe is I've always believed it. You know why? Because that book's never changed and God's never changed. And I'll tell you, spirit's never changed. And the reason God still meets with us today is because it's still a place uh, that's trying to take a stand uh, and live uh, in the right way. Amen. 
You say, preacher, you, do you got everything right? You know I don't. But I want to do right tonight. And I tell you, I, I, got, I gave Brother Danny a song. I want you to learn that song. I'd rather die as to go back to the world. Amen. If it means, the songwriter said, if it means that I might compromise, I'd rather see the gates of pearl. Isn't that true tonight? John had courage is why he gave him that position. And then I'll close with this tonight. Why did Jesus give him that position, Calvary, the place of position? Because of his compassion. John is the beloved, isn't he? He's the one that was always found leaning on the bosom of Jesus. John was a man that wasn't afraid to take a stand, but he was a man that was compassionate. You know, tonight we have got to stand, but in the midst of standing, we've got to have love, don't we? You know, that compassion is somewhere. Jesus gave his mother to John because he knew John would take care of his mother. You know, tonight, the world needs to see that compassion in us. Don't look at the world tonight at the things they're doing and belittle them. They're blinded, number one. Number two, they're doing it because it's their nature. It's the only thing they know to do. And number three, had it not been for grace, that would be me tonight and that would be you. I'm telling you the problem God has tonight is not with the world. It's with the church. It's so easy to look at somebody out in the world and, and criticize them and say, you say, preacher, are you defending them? I'm not defending them. I'm just saying they don't know any better. That's why they're doing the things they're doing is because uh, they're a child of wrath. Uh, they're walking in darkness. Uh, it's all that they know and they're not the answer to the problem tonight and they're not even the problem. The problem is not the dope heads. Uh, the problem's not the druggies tonight. The problem is not, uh, uh, listen, uh, all the perversion in this world. Uh, the Bible said that judgment is going to begin at the house of God. Uh, God is more upset with the sinfulness of saints uh, than he is the sinfulness of sinners, amen. God will hold them accountable as sure as I'm standing here tonight. Every sinner will give an account for themselves. I'll tell you the first judgment seat in the Bible is not the great white throne judgment. It's a judgment seat of Christ, friend. I'll tell you, listen tonight, if we would get where we need to be at, if we would get a compassionate heart, a tear-filled eye, a broken spirit over this world and carry a burden for the lost, I wonder what God could do. You see, preaching tonight, we have to remember. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't have the burden that I want to have tonight. I don't want to stand before this congregation and have the spirit that I, I'm everything I ought to be. I want to have a more of a burden for sinners, don't you? I think when we preach, there ought to be a brokenness in our preaching, a compassion. We ought to preach hard against sin. But we ought, to, we ought to have a broken spirit when it comes to sinners. I'm not here tonight to shame you. I'm not here tonight to condemn you. I'm here tonight to confess to you. God help us. I think the person that thinks they've got it together don't have it together. 
That's not true. There's never been a day in my Christian life that I felt like I witnessed enough. Have you? I don't care how many tracks I pass out. I don't feel like I've done enough. I don't care how many times I prayed for somebody. I don't feel like I've prayed enough. Oh, tonight, I, I don't know how Paul said he was free. Some preachers have got it figured out, but I, I haven't. I'm gonna tell you tonight. I don't know how Paul, I believe Paul. I believe he was right because it's in the Bible. But I don't know how Paul could say he was free from the blood of all men. He said, well, he, be, he did this and that. Well, I wasn't there and you wasn't either. I believe he was right. But I wanna tell you tonight, I, I, I would have to be honest. Have I witnessed every person that's come my pathway? Well, no. Have I been sensitive to the Holy Spirit every time the Holy Spirit's told me to witness somebody? No. What I'm saying to you tonight is God give us a compassion. You know, people will remember your spirit long after they forgot your sermon. You can preach the truth, but if you don't speak it in love, it has no effect. And that's true about preaching, but I said that for this reason. It's true about witnessing. You, what you said today, boy, it was, wasn't that a good testimony? I'm so glad we took them on today. What a powerful testimony about that young man. I mean, in prison, doing everything he could to, to hinder you while you pray. You know, he could have said a lot of things to that young man. But all it would have done was turned him away. But you showed compassion. It got a hold of his heart. I want to tell you tonight, that's something we all need. It's good to be old-fashioned, isn't it? We ought to be old-fashioned with compassion. Amen. Let's have a love. for You think about somebody tonight you know going to hell. Think about a neighbor. Think about a friend. I had a guy sit down next to me yesterday, and, and uh, we sat there for a few minutes, and I knew the man wasn't, a, wasn't saved just by some things that was taking place. And, and we were sitting there, and I asked him what he did, and a few minutes later he said, what do you do? And I told him, and, you know, it just changes the whole conversation. But I was kind to him to the best of my ability. And the, but I'll tell you, the, the flesh, I'll tell you how the flesh is. As soon as that man sat down, the flesh rose up and said, I don't bother him. He put his earphones on, you know, leave him alone. That's what the flesh will tell you tonight. Amen. The flesh don't want to give out that gospel. But you know, it may be the only time you ever see that person again. God may have put them in your path just for a moment to warn them to flee the wrath to come.